Hello, it's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. I continue to support the creative community through this crisis with all sessions now on video and phone calls. For details, please check threadup.co.uk. You can also find details of free check-ins I offer on my Twitter at threadup underscore and on Instagram and Facebook at threadup. Please share this. Somebody out there might need it. Stay safe and let's get through it together. Welcome to Psychomedy Daily Dose, the spin-off series of short episodes of Psychomedy during this time of shutdown of the live comedy circuit due to coronavirus. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology. And three times a week now on Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday, I'm going to be talking with a different comedian about the current situation, along with passing on some hopefully really helpful and positive strategies and coping mechanisms from the counselling professionals we partner with at threadup.co.uk. They're there to support you, and if you'd like to support this podcast, if you're enjoying what we're doing, please go to patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. I'm hoping that by sharing experiences and some positivity with comedians, we can all get through this together in the best possible way. Joining me today on Psychomedy, it's Ben Norris. Ben, hello. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm not bad. How are you? I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm getting used to uh, being locked in in my house. Yeah, uh, I've been doing a lot of DIY, so that's how I've been trying to keep busy and not think about, you know, the worrying future for all live comedians. So at yes. the moment, I'm not thinking about that. I'm just D- DIYing. Yes, you've just shown me, given me a little tour around your house virtually. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's beautifully DIY'd, may I say so. It's, uh, you, have a, uh, you, have a, you have a real skill for that. Thank you. Yeah, I laid a parquet floor a few a couple of years ago, which was really challenging, but but what really thoroughly enjoyable by the end. And yeah. it's one of those things. What you know, once you're in it, you're in it because you have to start gluing the central layer, sort of line of blocks down the middle of the room. Yeah. And once you've done that, you're you know you have to continue till it's finished. So that was that was good. The kids were coming home from school and having to climb up a ladder and get in the window upstairs. <laughs> Uh, you've triplets, don't you? It's exciting. I do. It's exciting. Yeah. So, um, how 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 has that been in in lockdown? Is everyone still sane? Yeah, they're 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 fourteen, or all, all of them are. <laughs> yeah, and, that makes sense. Well, it would be a difficult birth, wouldn't it? If one of them was <laughs> yeah. younger. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, they're um, they they're very uh, rewarding. We have two girls and a boy. Yeah. The girls are identical twins. The boy's not. He's got a thing. Um, <laughs> So yeah, they're, but they've you know they've gone into teenage zone now, so they're slightly, you know, they go, go they're in their own world a bit more than they used to be in our in ours. Yes, and their schooling are they going back to school soon? It seems it seems confusing when kids are going back to school or not. Well, we haven't been given a date officially, mm. so I don't I don't know. In Hackney, where I live, the government give advice about schools, but it seems like the head teachers can can ignore that advice and why not because the government themselves have been ignoring advice anyway yeah. so how, how are you feeling about the the government and the the government's rules after the Cummings debacle I was in Hampstead Heath yesterday and it certainly seems like lockdown is over um it was like it was like Notting Hill Carnival they asked the everyone wow I think everyone has uh, yes forgotten about the lockdown whether based on what Cummings has been doing or based on other things, it's certainly, it seems over in certain areas of London. 
Well, I was in Crystal Palace Park and it was the busiest I've ever seen it. And I've lived yeah. here for about 16 years. It was mm. rammed. But admittedly, they weren't all huge groups. They were lots of uh, small groups. Yeah. But they were groups nonetheless. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, that was forbidden yeah. and now every it just seems everybody's gone well they said i can meet a friend and my wife's gonna meet her friend and so we might as well we might as well all meet and sit <laughs> yeah. together and then oh they've brought their kids okay well, we might as well bring our kids and then before you know it there's 18 of you yeah um i mean we still haven't done that because we're the kind of idiots that just stick to the um original plan yeah and um but you're right. I think the I think the general consensus is, oh, they it's it's off. We can do what we like. Yeah. And um, I guess that second spike will be imminent. Yeah. It sounds like you're fearful of the virus reappearing. Um. Well, I think it's it seems inevitable, doesn't it? Unless it, oh, my wife and I were talking about that this morning. Where does it go when it well when it's resting? You know, <laughs> when it hasn't got. <laughs> thousands of people to live in yeah. because we're all adults. Where, does it just wait in the trees what does it, does it, does it... <laughs> yeah it goes on lockdown it um <laughs> so, so, the, so covid is sitting somewhere watching netflix <laughs> just waiting for us to come out <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i bet you're missing the the cutting edge on you know uh, the, the comedy story oh god yeah no absolutely what yeah and it's a real yeah I mean, this would be fabulous stuff to be working with, but um, yeah, the uh, you know the cutting edge is such a great workout for your kind of comedy bones, yeah, and gets you out of your comfort zone and makes you write topical stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, I we, comedically, I think we're all probably a bit flabby. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we need to get get trim. But although having said that, when will ever be in a room full of people willing to sit close to I don't know even though people are willing to go to the park and sit together are they going to go and sit in a in a room yeah you know cheek by jowl to watch stand up I think it might be quite a while unfortunately I think you're right mm. but, um yeah have you kept your mind ticking over to to that regard you know when you see the things like Dominic Cummings have you been have you been thinking about stuff you would have been saying at the comedy store tonight or not has that been too depressing to think about I, think, I don't think I've thought of that particular issue I haven't really been feeling very comedic about I've just yeah. been reacting in, in the uh, you know cl classic kind of how dare he kind of what, <laughs> yeah. what an absolute clown yes <laughs> To think that his excuses are, you know, viable. They're not, it's just absolute nonsense, isn't it? The, the eye test drive with, <laughs> yeah. the kid, with the kid in the back, you know. So it, had it <laughs> yeah. turned out that he, that he wasn't ready to drive, he'd have discovered that by ploughing into a truck <laughs> with his family. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's infuriating, isn't it? But I think it, I think it illustrates you know, the, the, um, they really do feel that they are a chosen elite yeah. and that we are the proles who should just do what we're told. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is ludicrous, uh, the whole testing his, his eyesight thing. Um, and I love the way the journalists were plowing into him. One, one certainly, um, it's the ones you don't expect to be harsh. About, about 10, uh, 10 journalists in 
to that uh, garden briefing, one of them just said, that's not true, is it? That's, that's, that's ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, good, good on her. It was, uh, it, was a brilliant, it was a brilliant question. But I think, we've, I think we're all slowly learning that people don't resign anymore. You know, people of my age, our age, remember the 80s, 90s, when all we had was newspapers. And in a couple of days of newspapers, people would resign every time. Had to go. Yeah. Every time they would resign. Now, no one resigns. Hardly anyone resigns. I wonder it's, why um, that is. Well, it used to be that sometimes they'd cling on, wouldn't they, for another week? Yeah. And, and if by the Wednesday they were, they were no longer on the front page, they might just keep their job. But if yeah. they were still on the front page by Thursday, yeah. you'd get the, re the resignation on the second, second go round. But yeah. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's social media as much as anything that we back in the day where it was just newspapers, as you say, if they were on the front page for several days, it's like, well, I have to resign because I can't stay on the front page. But now, because there's no front pages anymore with social media within 48 hours, probably by the time this podcast goes out, everyone would be like, what was that coming story again? I can't remember. Because yeah. like, there'll be something else, won't there? There'll be something else ludicrous and ridiculous that everyone's paying attention to. You know, a cat will be well, thrown I, in a bin or something, you know? I mean, I imagine Cummings is concocting such a thing as we speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll absolutely be within his sort of um, remit to create a diversion away from his own... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. scandal so yeah I thought of that. that's his that's his job isn't it his job is to divert attention he's brilliant at that he's probably trying to get michael gove to make love with a hedgehog or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come on mate get in there and do it it's for the best <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so yes i was actually reading a newspaper today uh, in the guardian today they were talking about um some stand-ups and the stand-ups with no money compared with the uh, stand-ups with a bit of money in the bank and certainly those with family money uh, uh you know making comparisons about how we're all struggling um you know are you are you worried you know if we don't get back to work this year and with the three kids you know yeah i'm very have, very worried yeah, yeah. I'm, and yeah. I'm trying to think what i what else i might be able to do to make a living because i've been a professional stand-up for 25 years yeah and um i you know i have some other skills but <laughs> i don't know whether parquet, any of them parquet flooring I, it, it's literally crossed my mind to to look into oh, yeah. uh, that sort of work because I, you know, I know I can do it. The, my problem is I'm not fast. I'm really conscientious about the finish level, and therefore, and and I'm slow. Uh. So I doubt whether I can make a, you know, I wouldn't better make a professional living at stuff like that. I, yeah, I'm worried about the, genuinely worried about the future, like most comics must be, because we're going to be out of income for at least six months i think uh, and um that you know how can we survive it i, d I yeah. don't know yeah i've done some online gigs like a lot of other comics have uh, uh, mostly with my comedy songs which i find a lot easier to do in that format because you know you're playing a guitar and singing a funny song yeah you, you're not waiting for the laugh every eight seconds as you are with stand-up and it's uh, like having no oxygen if you can't hear anyone laughing <laughs> yeah. so uh, I've done three or four of those, and they've been really good fun. And at least two of them actually paid me some money, not what you'd get in a club, but no, oh, you know, something. Yeah, great. so there is there is that other income stream 
as a feasible thing, but it's not going to be a professional, you know, it's going to be going back to the days of having a day job and doing that on the side, I think. Yeah. For yes. a while, anyway. Yes, I, yes, I, I, I found out about your, you know, day jobs before stand-up. You worked in printing, didn't you? And um, what, what interested me about that was that you're such a natural stand-up. You, you know, I think you're one of our most natural stand-ups on stage. I remember seeing you many years ago at the Comedy Store, just thinking that same thing, you know, how relaxed you are and uh, what a natural stand-up you are. I find that interesting when, when stand-ups are working in other jobs and thinking how many other natural stand-ups are working in other jobs, having never tried it, because you kind of stumbled into it to a certain extent, yeah. didn't you? I wonder, I mean, there's thousands of comedians anyway. How many more thousands are brilliant stand-ups and actually don't realise, you know, Oh, I think there must be tried it. But yeah. I think I've always thought that um, it's it, to, to some extent it's a, it's, um, it's a disability, really, the, the desire to perform in, in, in stand-up. <laughs> yes. it's, it's something. It's not like you've got something added. You, you've got something missing. You know, it's to need yeah. the, uh, the kind of admiration and affection of a room full of strangers uh. night after night. Uh, and and never quite getting it, you know. I, I, I think that's the other thing to probably share is we're all quite neurotic. We all think we could have done better, um, we, and so you have to go back two nights later and give it another go, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I mean, um, thank you very much for what you said. I think that's that's what I always wanted to to be, to kind of natural, it, at least have a natural stage yeah. persona that was relaxed. I think that was the thing I was. Trying to achieve for the first five or six years of doing it, mm. um, or at least re you know sort of re-experience that first you know the very first times I stood on stage, which was uh, at a club that I started in, in uh, an art centre in Aldershot, where I booked the acts that I was seeing up in London. Yeah, because uh, I was just a comedy fan. I just thought it was fantastic. Like I thought it was like magic what people could do mm. with just a microphone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I would just have a couple of pints and go on in between, you know, like a compare, or I didn't really know what a compare was. Mm. So I think that's where the, you know, the, the natural style came from not, um, I never went on a course. I never studied it in any way. I just started talking and made, made for the next laugh, wherever that, you know, the closest one I could find. Yeah. Um, and then over, over the years you have to, you have to sort of unlearn that and learn some formal rules and then you have to try and get rid of them again so that you don't sound like a comedy robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting you saying about, you know, the mind's missing something and, the, you know, the comedian's mind missing that, yeah, needing that validation or whatever it is. Have you ever, have you ever thought how your mind might be wired differently to others and kind of tracing back any of that to before you did stand up and to childhood? Yeah, I do remember um, being a, you know, socially being a little bit uh, irritating to other people, uh, <laughs> especially as a young teen, because I, I didn't, I don't think I quite knew where my, what my place was. And, um, and I, th I think I, uh, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but that, that thing of, using humour to fit into a group. I think I started noticing that that worked, mm. probably probably from the age of about 12. And, yep. and, I, and I also think, the other thing I think with, from a lot of my comedy mates is 
there's a common theme of being a, a bit of an outsider. Mm. I think, you know, a lot of comics don't have large groups. You know, like most blokes have, it seems, have a large group of male friends or, or you know, you, you, they have, yeah. you know, they'll go on holiday with six guys. And I never did that. Yeah. And, and I think that's quite common amongst comics that we, you know, we'll have friends, but they're quite intense friendships with, with smaller groups of people or, you know, two, two people there and one over there, but not a large group because um, I don't know this. You have to kind of be, you have to fit in with a large group. And I think comics don't want to fit in to some yeah. extent, but they still want, it's like a cake and eat it. They still want the approval of the group. Yeah. So is that it? Is that what it is? Is it the desire to, you know, you're not, it's not like you want to be the leader, but you're, you sit slightly outside of the group, but still uh, feed from the group. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know. I think no, it's, it's something. No, absolutely. I mean, there are. I'm just going into my second coffee here. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I might be buzzing. <laughs> Let's recreate that gig feeling with uh, with coffee, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. um, no, no, there are yeah, there are there are many many things that stand up say, but yeah, feeling feeling an outsider is uh, yeah certainly certainly one of them, and the the acceptance and the and the validation. Yeah, um, I noticed on your Twitter uh, a couple of days ago you were uh, you retweeted uh, Phil Walker talking about uh, Seinfeld being. 66 and talking about you know ageism in comedy and you know this has been talked about a lot i guess so i may be retreading a little bit of ground but it seems like nothing is ever done about it so i do find it interesting that there are you know such natural stand-ups like you that are a little bit older than the people we tend to see on mock the week and i know you've done mock the week a few times three times is that right um I, I think four. I think four. four. Yeah, but maybe, but not for a few years. Am I? Would I be no. right in saying that? No, they found out how old I was, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's <laughs> it it is it is a subject that's talked about and kind of skated over. But I do think it's very very interesting that particularly as Phil Walker said that the Seinfeld special comes out and he's sixty six and everyone goes, oh my god, amazing! It does take all these years to be you know to be the master. We don't appreciate masters like yourself, if I may say so. You know, 25 years, you become a master of that. And I'm sure you don't want to be, be called that, but I would regard you as that. And there are many people like you that I think are... But at the same time, there's a quote on your website that says you're one of the most underrated comics in the world. And I don't... I personally don't think that's the case. I don't think anyone underrates comics like yourself. I don't think producers will say, oh, he's not as good as, you know, everyone says he is. I think they do know how good you are and other people like you it's just they tend to want to use younger people um and i do i am constantly i'm just confused by it i'm confused why producers of those shows don't just even if they don't know who you are don't hang around the comedy store on a thursday to saturday and pick up comics like yourself rather than other comics i think there's room for everyone it, it is a constant confusion for me yeah well, I guess what's very weird is I, I can now look back at, at moments where I was um, the closest I ever got to. You know, when they say somebody's hot at the moment. Yeah. I, I've had those moments, but they were very early on because it, it, it was, you know, probably during the 90s. And I, I, don't, I wasn't ready. Oh. I, showed, I showed some promise, but I don't think I 
quite put the hours in at the time. Um, but I kind of, you know, I was youngish and trendy and, you know, um, I probably, I, I got an agent at that time and I think she, she saw me as perfect kind of TV presenter fodder. Uh, and I got little bits and bobs here and do you know what I mean? Little opportunities. I got a show on MTV for six months and then they dropped me and, uh, and, uh, I, I started doing, um, I started going into radio one for training and I was doing training sessions at radio one and it was starting to look like youth presenter kind of light hearted comedy youth presenter was going to be the market I would work in. Uh, but I, but I didn't, I didn't push it very far because what I wanted to be was a stand-up comic. Yep. I saw stand-up comedy as not the means to an, another end. I saw the stand-up comedy as the, the trade I wanted to work in and what I wanted to get really good at. Yeah. And if those other jobs came along along the way, then great. I, I was up, well up for it. And I'd love to have done radio and I should have pushed that a bit more, but... Uh, you know, I did a, a little bit, uh, a couple of those things at XFM that didn't really come to anything. And and then all that happened was I stayed alive and got older. And then it's amazing how those opportunities just start to drop away. Uh. Post 30, they're like, yeah, not really for us. And I didn't, I didn't pursue it in that dogged kind of way. Because as I said, I, I wanted to be, you know, headlining gigs around the circuit and playing at the comedy store. Yeah, and I was and I was starting to do that, and and so I was, I was happy with that. But then when I got the opportunity to get on on TV again, on things like, never mind the Buzzcocks, I did, and a show called They Think It's All Over, yeah. And I was doing a lot of TV warm up as well, so I was sort of around that that industry and being seen by the right people. Mm. But no big opportunities came my way, and I didn't push it because I. I, I, do you know what? I always thought it looked ugly to be hugely uh, ambitious, yeah. and um, so I, I, so I thought I could do it the, the kind of cool way, and just thought <laughs> it would come to me anyway. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I thought, yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll look like I don't really want this, and I'll get it anyway. <laughs> and, um, and, and it, oh, there's the doorbell. <laughs> this is your opportunity, Ben. This could be your big break, Ben. It could be it could be one of those producers <laughs> Wait a minute. sending it's you a, a letter. letter. It's a letter from the BBC. Um, <laughs> <laughs> starting a comedy show called Comedy Veterans. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what was it? Where was I? Yeah, so th I thought uh, yeah. I thought I could do it without looking like I wanted it. And yeah, yeah. It it's like that swingers line, isn't it? Act like you don't need the shit. They give you the shit for free, and it's not always the case. Yeah. Right. I thought you were talking about swingers in the, um, uh, you know, <laughs> in the, the group yeah. sex context. <laughs> yeah, that's not allowed anymore, you, is it? That's not. You allowed. can't stand around looking like you're not interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just drove my wife here. I just wanted to watch. <laughs> Yes, sorry, anyway. I mean, what you're saying is, is the counter to that in, in terms of an ambition to be, you know, a great stand-up and to be a professional comedian. That's great. And if that's what it is, and then that's brilliant, isn't it, as well? Uh, absolutely. I mean, that, that was a am massive ambition. And, and the thing is, it's one of those things, once realised, all you want to do is keep doing it. Yeah. 
it's it's not like you you get your first weekend at the comedy store and think well that's that done now i'll go and write the book um it's it's all about and that is the other good thing about stand up i think is you know it's a, it is a very competitive business and there's lots of there's always new talent coming through and it pushes you to try and get better and at the very least stay good yeah. you know because if you don't stay good then you won't be doing weekends at the comedy store uh next year you know yeah, yeah. Um, you, you really got to keep keep upping your game and um and, and i like that you know because I, I think there's there's probably a lot of careers where by my age in another career I'd, I'd probably be flatlining and and coasting because you know I'd achieved middle management and and uh, I was <laughs> yeah. but in in this game I think you you never feel that I don't think you ever feel um, like you're safe uh, you feel like you've got to keep getting better and and and, and uh, you know it's good for your mind as well I think to, to turn over material and look for new avenues within the within the business that you want to do and that's why i started doing the comedy songs a couple of years ago which was yeah yeah no really, great great you know really enjoyed just doing something slightly different yeah and you know it, it's proved to be a really good outlet for another part of my brain that, that sort of seems to work well in that in that kind of um comedy song format yeah and you say that's good in online gigs, and I bet it's, I mean, I've started playing piano the last couple of years. I bet it's good for mental health-wise and therapeutic-wise as well, isn't it, playing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, most days I'll, I start the day, you know, a cup of tea with my guitar on my lap and, and just 20 minutes of strumming out some ideas. And I really like um, just using it like that. And, and it's good, good ideas sometimes just appear. And yeah. you don't know where they've come from. And, and just that combination of, you know, a little kind of chord progression and some ideas from a notebook and you stick them together and you've got something that's like a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah man. Yeah, we can, man. We can get your album, can't we? Moral Vacuum online. Yeah, yeah you can. Absolutely. Moral Vacuum. It's available. Uh, if you want the CD, you can get that from a place called Music Glue. Yeah, um, but you can listen to it on Spotify and you know Google Play and all of those sort of places. And then if you love it enough, you can download it properly on those uh, things too. But yeah, I'm really proud of it. So it, it's good. It sounds great. Yeah, yeah, funny. it does. No, it is. It's great. It's great. It's great. Anywhere else we should be diverting people's attention to in this lockdown period where we can't see you live? Anything else? Um, well, I'm part of this network of comics this this online uh kind of cabal of uh, comedians called the lost comics i don't know if you've heard oh indeed indeed I've, I've, um, yes i've spoken to a few people who are part of that yeah so that's again a really good way of getting content out so we're, we're all basically making short little comedy videos and putting them up on on the lost comics youtube video channel yeah and there's loads of really really good people on that and really funny stuff and you know, even after lockdown, hopefully that will, you know, go from strength to strength and, and become a, you know, a, a really, um, and, and this gets back to the, the not getting on to telly when you're older thing. Maybe, to, you know, maybe it doesn't matter so much now that so much content is online. Yeah, and hopefully we can be, we can compete with, with the narrow minded um, TV executives and make our own funny stuff where nobody's interested in what, year you were born in it's just is this funny or not yeah 
Nice, nice. Finally, are you optimistic as to how we're all going to come out of this or how you personally are going to, going to come out of this? Have you used this in terms of a refresh to any extent as to how you were thinking, how you were thinking about material or anything else? Uh, how do you think you're going to come out of this when we do get back to work uh, next year? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking I might be a builder. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, As I say, you, know, you have, I mean, I say you're a good stand-up, but my goodness, you're a good builder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean it, it was in the genes. My dad was a, a carpenter and, a, and um, I, he, sadly, he's no longer with us, but I've got big boxes of his tools. And, and honestly, I do get a, a different kind of weird zen-like satisfaction when i use his tools and make something and it's mm. good and um but it's not quite the buzz that stand up gives me <laughs> i'm gonna be honest but i'll tell you so, what if i if you did that on zoom and you had people like me going ben you're fucking amazing at that parquet flooring <laughs> that, i think that would be it wouldn't it psychologically well, that be might be that might be how it, the way to go that might be the way to go <laughs> yeah. funny diy videos that, i mean <laughs> yeah that, listen, I'm going to get started on that this afternoon. I think that, that might be the way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? But I, it's hard to believe that, you know, all the talented stand-ups that we know aren't going to be doing that again at some point. I just think some of us are going to have to uh, find some sort of bridging career between yeah. now and when people are going to cram into comedy clubs again. Because um, we, we know, I mean, we also we know there's another recession on the way, isn't there? But generally people still seem to want to laugh in recession so um yeah just pray that they do <laughs> and i tell you what a lot of comedy clubs don't look nice inside what they need ben is a parquet floor before we get going again absolutely that's <laughs> we get in, and now's a good time during the yeah, it is. Those, it is. Uh, tips top and i'm ready <laughs> to go <laughs> lovely well there we go ben thank you so much for joining me on thanks me. today it's a great pleasure to have you on oh it was a lovely break it almost felt like meeting somebody which was, <laughs> was nice <laughs> yes yes lots of love to you stay well keep well and um yes yeah, see you on the other side thanks mate see you in the park <laughs> nice the brilliant Ben Norris there. Do check out his album, Moral Vacuum. Check him out on the Lost Comics YouTube channel. There's some wonderful comics and content on there. And as I've mentioned many times, go to nextupcomedy.com for a avalanche of brilliant content. And if you've done all that, why not take a day trip to Barnard Castle? But uh, make sure your eyesight is good for that last one. You don't need your eyesight for any of the other content. Barnard Castle, make sure it's tickety-tock. So there we go. That is our show for today. Join us again on Saturday for more Psychomedy. We are Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday now. Please listen back on all these daily shows, all the main shows. Please give us a five-star review. Spread the word. Psychomedy is produced by Mike Hansen at Pop People Productions. Check out psychomedy.co.uk. There are mental health tips there from our counselling partners at ThreadUp they're there to support you and if you'd like to support the podcast it's patreon.com slash nathan cassidy i'm nathan cassidy lots of love to you all stay healthy stay optimistic tune back in for more psychomedy on saturday